Annyeong. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Have You Seen? The questions to start all movie discussions. I'm Kieran Lefort. And I'm Tom Webb. Hooray! Hey. It's us. It's both of us. <laughs> and you got it right. I did. Yeah, third time lucky. <laughs> okay. Um, what are we doing? Uh, well, I think we should start off today with... Uh, why don't we do some reader reviews of films from previous podcasts? Okie dokie. Reader uh, reviews? Listeners reviews. They can try and read it if they like. They might read the blog. Yeah, we have a blog, blog bit.ly slash HYS podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I've got uh, two here. Okay. Uh, these both come from uh, Lima Rodney, or at Lima Rodney on Twitter. Um, as a result of episode three, I've just watched I Love You Man. Really enjoyed it. Funny and moving. Two lead men, superb. On to Shall We Dance? Aha. A back to back, a double bill. Yeah. And uh, then the second one is uh, of Shall We Dance? Um, have watched Shall We Dance? I really enjoyed it. Found it sweet and quite amusing. The friend in the office was my favourite character. Very funny. I'm guessing that's Mr. Alki. Mr. Alki, yeah. Um, peripheral characters much better than the main ones, which is interesting. Uh, I chuckled rather than laughed out loud. Uh, after listening to episode five, I now want to see The Guard. Huh. That was a very long tweet. Yeah, it was. It was a combination of... Okay. Yeah. Oh, I also have a, a Twitter review. Remember my personal Phil Jones from last week? Yes. Yes. Well, uh, as a result of this show, he went and bought Lost in La Mancha. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and he sent a review, uh, also via multi-part tweet. Oh, excellent. Okay. Uh, okay, so Phil Jones says, As someone who knows very little about filmmaking, I found Lost in La Mancha to be fascinating, an enjoyable and fascinating mess. As you pointed out, the Giants were awesome, and Phil Patterson, who was the, uh, the first AD on the that's shoot, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, was in an unenviable position. I'd love to see the film to eventually be made, and I'd certainly put my money down to see the cinematic release. Oh, that's good. That's so really should good. Uh, should Terry Gilliam finally manage to make yeah. his Don Quixote movie, Phil will go and see it. Excellent. Good. So that's a tenor in, uh, in <laughs> Terry Gilliam's pocket. Yeah. Um, any more, or is that it? Um, there, there are some more, but they, uh, well, there was, yeah, two more, but they pertain to stuff we're going to talk about later. So okay. let's save them until then. Okie dokie. Let me just... Get that out of the way. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <clears throat> right. And stop so... that thing bouncing up and down my <clears throat> computer screen. There we go. Lovely. Okay. Professional outfit. Okay, so should we kick off with Zodiac? Yes. Now, I'll do a quick recap. Yeah, give us um, the, the potted synopsis. Okay, Zodiac is uh, a film directed by David Fincher, and it's based on a true story of the Zodiac killer, uh, who is a uh, serial killer in the 1960s and 70s in San Francisco and the sort of area of California. Um it's what Dirty Harry was loosely based on, um, but this is a much more in-depth look at it based upon um, a book that was written and also all the police files and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it's a bit like uh, social networking, that it was, a, it was a series of actual events that have been researched and then dramatised. Um, so what did you think? I should preface this review by saying that before I watched the film, I, I find the Zodiac Killer case fascinating. Yeah, it anyway. is. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and it's something I've read up on before. Right. And I did some reading before I watched the film. Okay. And I feel that has tainted my review. Okay. I find the case much more interesting than this film. Okay. And I think there is a better film within the footage that's in this film. 
This is at least 40 minutes too long. Yeah, it's a ve- yeah. Th- that's probably one of my biggest problems with the film is that it is very long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it goes it goes 90 minutes, mm. and then effectively a whole other movie starts. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, mm-hmm. he said Phil Avery. He's not Paul Avery. Uh, no, that, that's the wrong character. That, that's uh, uh, Robert Smith. Downey Jr. Rob, yeah, Robert, yeah, Robert Graysmith, Graysmith, Robert Graysmith yeah. who's the cartoonist who becomes yes. fascinated with the case. Yeah. His fascination doesn't kick in until an hour and a half into the film. Yeah, he's well, interested, yeah, yeah. but then he becomes kind of like psychotically fascinated and we get the whole neglecting yes. the family stuff. Yeah, and that's yeah. a movie in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't particularly like Jake Gyllenhaal. I didn't think he was I thought he that was interesting. Uh, okay. um, Robert Downey Jr. I thought was quite miscast. Right. And it was like watching Tony Stark in a newspaper office. Yeah, yeah. He was just being Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. There was no attempt at acting. This man was Chaplin. Right, yeah. My favourite Robert Downey Jr. performance, I think his best performance is Chaplin, yeah. which is completely against all of his other, right. his usual type. Yeah, I haven't seen that. So. That's really good. Mm. Um, I might uh, have to see if I... I don't own a copy. I might have to buy it so I can pitch it to you. Okay. It's really good. Um, I didn't like... I wasn't particularly keen on either of those two. Right. Um, what I did like mm-hmm. was Mark Ruffalo, yeah. who I thought was superb in yeah. this. He's really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I found it dull. Right, most for the most part, I've got yeah. to say it's not bad. But the trouble is, if you know anything of the case, yeah. you know you're not going to get a conclusion to the film. That it's yes, a mystery with no ending yeah. because the case has never been solved. Yeah, there is a little a little paragraph at the end of the movie. Yeah, uh, which kind of points in the direction of who that who it probably was. Well, this this movie tries quite. Hard to point the finger at one guy, yeah. Which I guess it only gets away with because he's dead. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I kind of mm. thought that was an odd stall to set out. Um, I don't know. From what I mean, the thing is, though, my, I mean, I don't have any knowledge of the case outside of this film. Well, it all kind of got to. It kind of. It's like here, here are all the facts. We're being as accurate as we can. Here yeah. are all the facts. Here is a fictionalized version of the facts. Yeah, and we think it's this guy. Yeah. We think it's this guy. Yeah. That's what I got from this. Yeah, well, I think that that follows Robert Graysmith's book. It, uh, I haven't actually read that. This film did make me want to read the book. It's based on two books. Oh, right. Both by Graysmith. Right, okay. Um, and I, it seems to me that it was basically it, this film was putting forward his theory and, and his viewpoint of that's who he thought it was. Sure. Uh, and that, that seemed, I mean, that, that's what I took from it. I didn't, you know, whether he was right or not, I don't know. Yeah. But... Based on that, it seems quite likely that it was that guy. Yeah. So there is a lot. There is a lot of evidence that does point towards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not just the stuff that's uh, that's alluded to in the film. Right. Okay. There is other evidence that points towards Alan, but mm. there's also plenty of evidence against Alan. Yeah. But his DNA doesn't match any of the DNA found on the letters. Oh right. Okay. See, so they obviously don't go into that. No. I think cinematically, mm-hmm. Dirty Harry is a better telling of this story. Oh, that's really interesting. And I think that's because it's a made-up mystery based on this case. Yeah. Um, so they can kind of... They've got more uh, artistic license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, to me, felt like the Wikipedia page embellished and filmed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, this is why I wanted to pitch you this film directly after Dirty Harry. Because, I, mean, I mean, I don't think this is one of Fincher's best. I think I said this last week. Um, but it just intrigues me because it's his take on the similar story and um 
like I say, it is too long, and it, but it's interesting to hear you say it, that that you find you found Dirty Harry more engaging as a film. I guess is that right? I guess so. It's kind of, this film is very kind of muddied water because right. it sets out its stall as um, we are going to be as accurate as possible. Have you yeah, did you yeah. wa- have you watched any of the extras on the DVD? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, there's yeah, well, a, the only one I did find was um, there's a little extra about the CGI use in this film, okay. which we'll talk about once we've. Talked I didn't. About I, the, I didn't content. watch that one. I, I watched a different featurette that was right. on the on the disc, um, which there's there's all these. There you, you see them going to great pains to make all of this as accurate as possible, yeah. including like picking up trees and moving them and planting them on another island so it looks like it did in 1960, 1969 whatever, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you know, uh, and uh, well, he would have come from here, and the bullets were fired from here, and the handwriting doesn't quite look right here, so we have to change that, and that will be correct. Right. Yet they fabricate a relationship between two people who never yeah. met. Yeah, and that's just that's typical Hollywood stupidity to me. Yeah, it's one of the things that I think that dramatizing real life events is is always a difficult thing to do. Um sometimes it's done exceptionally well and other times it's done pretty badly i mean good cases would be social network um frost nixon yeah they all really work but then you know going into those movies that it's a dramatization yeah and they could have done exactly the same with this if it hadn't been for all the we have to be as accurate as possible yeah. stuff that went with it. Yeah. Pick one or the other. You yeah. can't do both. No, I wonder if, if they'd been a bit more bit more relaxed about the accuracy, whether they would have made a slightly more compact and dynamic movie. Yes, and I think you can get a more compact and dynamic movie out of this. Right. Um, some characters just kind of seem wasted to me. Right. I think you have to pick either Avery or Graysmith. Yeah. You either have to lose Downey or you have to lose Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And having them both just seemed like a way to get them both in the same film. Right. Fair enough. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I guess you could probably... I mean, if you did if you did the whole thing from Graysmith's point of view, mm. that, that would probably make more sense, yeah. seeing as its majority of it's based on his books. Yeah. Um, or you you negate... You make him a minor character and have it... Or Mark Ruffalo's film. Yeah. So it's about the police investigation. The trouble is the police investigation kind of ended and then picked up again. It was never closed. It was yeah. never closed, but it kind of, they just kind of petered out. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's too good. So I think the only course you could take is Graysmith's. Yeah. Really. Um, it's kind of odd in that a f- I think a film both should and shouldn't have been made about this case. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it, yeah, I do see what you mean because it's like, oh, Zodiac, that's fascinating. That make a great is, film, yeah. and then it's like doesn't make a great film. Yeah, no, it doesn't make it doesn't make this film a great film. Yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder if it's because you can't get a really conclusive ending. Possibly, maybe maybe it's very. It's very I don't mind to, an open ending. No, but, but so, this was far too open. And the I guess the problem was because I know the case. Yeah. I know I'm not getting a conclusion from the conclusion from the moment I press play. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Saying that, I, I know I sound like I'm slagging it off. Yeah. I don't hate it. No. There's plenty in it I do like. Yeah. Um, and there were some instances where knowing the case helped. Okay. Um, it made the attack scenes even scarier because right. I'd read the details of the, right. the reports of what had happened in those attacks. Yeah. So I know, for example, the two uh, 
the the two lovers who are laying in the park overlooking yes. the lake. Yeah, yeah. And he comes. The Zodiac comes with the hood on. Yeah, and he ties. I just them, yeah. yeah. The night before, I'd read about that case, so I right. knew where he was going to come from. Right. And it's, there's this sense of inevitability. You're seeing these two laying there. It's yeah. like, well, I know the gummer's going to come up, and I know he's going to do this. Get the girl it. to tie yeah. him up, and I know he's going to find that the girl's tied the guy too loosely and i know eventually they're both going to get stabbed and that anticipation right really kind of heightened and added to those scenes for me it's kind of interesting yeah yeah um sometimes knowing stuff like that makes it less of an impact yeah true there was also there was some quite quite odd stuff i know i felt and i don't know i'll ask if you felt the opening scene yes with the two in the car yeah did it feel to you like they were setting up that the girl was going to attack the guy? Say you've just had this script thrown on your desk. You're a Hollywood executive. You don't know what Zodiac is. So yeah. Hollywood executives don't know shit. You get Zodiac thrown on your desk and you start reading. Yeah. And the way it's played, it looks like that the, those two young lovers who've got... Well, yeah, actually, yeah. she's having an affair, isn't she? Yeah, she yeah. is. Yes, yes. Uh, those two go out and they sit in the car. Yeah. Um, and it's all set up like... She's going to. She's a bit to shifty. She knows what's going on, right? And either she is going to stab the guy in yeah. the car, yeah. or her accomplices, yeah. and they're going to leave together. I guess, yeah. I suppose. I mean, that, that could be the setup for her husband to come and. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's a bit of an intentional kind of misdirection. Possibly, yeah. I don't, I don't but know. But again, because I know what's going to happen, Captain I know that yeah. that kind of felt a bit yeah. weird. Interesting. Um. What about what about the um, the style? Was there any, was there like anything Fincheresque that happened? I mean, I think I mentioned last time the sequence with the killing in the taxi cab, where it starts with the top down shot. Yeah, the Grand Theft Auto yeah, section. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I mean, I loved that. I thought that looked really great. That is really good. And yeah. connected to that, one of the details I like is um, is Toshi. Um, yeah. Ruffalo's character yeah. going back to revisit that corner on the anniversary, yeah, which also happens to be his partner's birthday. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Every year he goes back and just kind of sits on that corner for a bit in his yeah. car and then yeah leaves. The uh, I found this little documentary online, which I think we can get the link to to put on the uh, link dump. Um, shows that scene and it shows the scene. Uh, you have the scene of the the attack and the killing but also the subsequent scene of Mark Ruffalo's character investigating it. Hmm. You would not believe the amount of CGI that is in those two scenes. Oh, yeah. I know that um, the residents didn't want them to sh- restage the murder on that corner. No. So they did some stuff there yeah. and took reference photos and then yeah. set the whole thing up on a stage in front of yeah. green screen. Yeah, so like, like, like a huge majority of it is green screened. Um, I know the the police motorcycle that goes past in one of the yeah, shots. That's entirely yeah, CG. Yeah, I mean, I mean, none of the there's no blood in it. They use no practical blood in yeah, the film yeah. at all. All of that is CGI. Yeah, because Fincher wanted to keep the shoot moving yeah. at, at a pace, and yeah. uh, that, it was a hundred and ten day shoot. Yes, that's that's a, that's a long, long time. Yeah. But I mean, so I mean, I find that fascinating because if you if I had sat down and watched this film, and someone had say pick out the CGI shots, I probably would have picked out maybe half a dozen where they do like, maybe where they, you see like. Um, there's a little montage sequence where they overlay... They overlay the, the cipher, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, and then the police so I would have picked yeah. those out as the effect shots. Um, I certainly wouldn't have picked out bits from this scene. Maybe the top-down stuff where the camera is very locked onto the, the cab. And the building of uh, Transamerica Pyramid. Yeah, the Transamerica yeah. thing. But, yeah, but, I mean, if, it, it, it's, my, it's very interesting to see... <clears throat> um, 
Hollywood using CGI in such a subtle way. Yeah. But also on such a big scale, if that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'll, I'm pretty sure I've got the um, I've got the link for it. So we'll, okay, well, we'll, we'll make uh, sure it's in the link now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, stuff I like most, like I said, most of the stuff I like relates to Ruffalo's character. Yeah. And actually, uh, Anthony Edwards, who plays his partner, is yes. also is doesn't have. I don't say thankless is not the isn't isn't the term. He doesn't have a showy role. No, but he's very good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's very kind of subtle and understated. Yeah. I, and I, Fincher I, mentions in the short documentary right. I saw that he is crucial. Because all the police report stuff is based off his notes. Oh right, okay. I didn't know that. So well, like he kind of he has to be has, there. Yeah. I, I, what I, the scene I really like between those two is when Anthony Edwards' character kind of tells him that he's going to transfer because he just can't. Yeah. He he just can't go. He can't hack it. Any, not ha- that's the wrong phrase. He can't. He j- he's just got so weary. Yeah. Of yeah, this yeah. case that just won't end. Mm. That he's decided to transfer and it's because ha- it's having an impact on his life and stuff. Like mm. that. I think that's a great scene yeah. because. In it, it, you see in Mark Ruffalo's character, not quite betrayal, mm. but a, certainly a sense of how, how can you leave this when it's not finished? This, yeah, this is this is the biggest case of our lives, and it's unfinished, and you're just walking away from it. At the same time, it's thinking, I know exactly why you're doing I this. Wish and I, I wish I could, I could do it as yeah. well. So yeah, I really like that scene between the two. Of them. The other scene I really like with him mm. is when he's trying to coordinate all the different town yes. police departments yeah. over the phone whereas yeah. it, these days it would just be an email that goes out to everybody yeah. and he's trying to ring around and uh, get Absolutely. evidence from you get all the evidence to match up with yeah. all these separate but linked cases yeah and yeah. he's finding that they've each got everybody's got stuff that nobody else knows about yeah as well yeah uh, that's, that's, a, that, that's a really good scene. it borders on comedy but it's a really good scene. yeah and i mean that that is even exacerbated further down the line when robert graysmith starts finding out stuff that they never picked up on that yeah. everybody else knew yeah, yeah so yeah it's interesting watching it how maybe if there wasn't so much miscommunication between those departments maybe they could have caught somebody well, even stuff like after the taxi murder, yeah, um, it's mentioned in the film, and it, it's a fact of the police case that um, the description that was sent out of the guy running away from the taxi was of a black man. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then they had to change it. Then and, they had yeah. to change it, yeah. yeah. But in between them sending out the call and then changing the description over the police radio, yeah. a police car had driven past him and not taken any notice because they weren't looking for a white guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's things like if that he would have been at least stopped yeah. if yeah. they would have, you know, the, the police would have would have at least questioned him on the yeah. on the pavement if yeah, and, uh, and if they had the right description. Especially find someone with a similar description, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else do I really like? Um, the TV phone-in scene. Yes. That's chilling. Yeah, Because you so. know that's a reenactment of something that really happened. Yeah. And the idea of a serial killer phoning in a live TV show yeah. is really kind of scary. And Brian Cox is really good in that scene he, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, I mean, that that's the sort of thing that technology has changed and moved so much that that can never happen again. Because it's too easy to pinpoint people now. Yeah. Based on, you know, on cellular It's when, it's when they tell them that the, 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 the trace is going to take 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the standard movie trace is 60 seconds, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it, well, I mean, when I, they said that, I was like, 15 minutes. No, <laughs> I know you could do it quicker than that. I've seen all these movies. They do it faster than that. I, it does make you wonder what, what must it have been like to be sitting there at home watching the television? And yeah. It's just like, 
I, I just can't imagine that. Yeah. I can't, you know. A live on your TV, a lawyer is talking to a, a serial, serial killer, killer. Yeah. over the phone. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's, I mean, it's shocking and chilling. Mm. Uh, there's a small scene of, um, of Gyllenhaal's character, uh, and his kids are helping him with the ciphers. Yes, yeah. And piecing stuff together. Yeah. Something that he's trying to hide from the person he's on the phone to. That's <laughs> yeah, really good. Yeah. I've got two more little Toshi things as well that I like. Okay. I like the running joke of him constantly being woken up in the yes. middle of the night yeah, by somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me tell you what kind of lamp you're gonna buy me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and um Oh it's not no, it's not Toshi, it's it's down his character, it's Avery. Right. His jacket in the archive scene is amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> it's, got, it's like a big Native American landscape on his back, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the other running joke I like with uh, Mark Ruffalo is uh, he's always asking his uh, partner for uh, animal crackers. Yeah, and he's always like, well, as soon as they get in the car, you, know, you got any I've got any crackers? Yeah. And, and in the like little that. documentary that's on the DVD, yeah. you, that you see Ruffalo's meeting with Toshi. Right. And he gets him to sign a box of animal crackers. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. One of the other things I do like, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but after, because um, we haven't mentioned this at all yet, but uh, the first time in within the movie, uh, Graysmith and Toshi meet is at the, pre- at the premiere for Dirty Harry. Yes. Which I think is a great little homage. I don't know if that actually happened or not. No. Um, but if it isn't, it's a nice little... Uh, treat but what i really like is after anthony edwards characters leaves and he gets a new partner which is subsequent to dirty harry the guy that he's partnered with is wearing a jacket and a suit just just like dirty harry (laughs) (laughs) he's even got the similar sort of hair to clint and stuff like that and i thought that was a nice little touch very subtle but he's got he's got the dirty harry jacket and yeah i just thought that was pretty cool nice um kind of in conclusion then i guess um i don't know if i'll watch this again Right. I'm not inspired enough to watch it again. Yeah. I am inspired to read Graysmith's books, though. Right, yeah. Uh, and I am still interested in the case. Yeah. I think it's a very difficult... Because there is no conclusion, it's mm. very difficult to make a movie Absolutely, of yeah. the case. Yeah. And I think Fincher has made the best fist of it he can. Yeah. But overall, it's not a great film, I don't think. Okay, that's interesting. Like I say, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly not one of my favourite of Finch's, but the reason I wanted to pitch it to you was because of the comparison to Dirty Harry. Um, so, yeah. Sure. I have oh. some customer feedback. Oh, right, yeah, cool. I have Zodiac. Um, now, I've got some one-star reviews and some five-star reviews. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the one-star reviews. With a title like Zodiac, I really expected this to be a great film. <laughs> right. <laughs> However... This is one of the most boring and uninteresting movies I've ever tried to watch. I lasted one hour before falling asleep. During that time, nothing happened. I don't know if he means the time he was asleep or that one hour beforehand. <laughs> um, the characters were boring. The script was boring. The acting was boring. There was no suspense, no thrills, no edge if you'll see action. Although I nearly fell off the city while I fell asleep. <laughs> if you're expecting a seven-style thriller, think again. There's no head in the box here. <laughs> right. Um, if you ever meet an American girl, sorry, I'll start that again. If you ever meet a nameless American girl, KB will remain nameless. Right. <laughs> and she asks you to watch a film with her and the title starts with Zodiac, I would approach with caution or give her a slap. <laughs> um, I was very keen to watch this film. I had no idea it would be so long. Congratulations on adhering to the book by Graysmith. Please going to have those few hours of my life back. <laughs> and this, here are... Um, uh, uh, five star reviews I found. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> I'll do the all caps one first. Okay. This is a brilliant film. The extra features are fascinating. This is a must-see film. <laughs> and bear in mind, this this is a five-star review. The story is involving, without ever really going anywhere. There is little or no action. The violence seems imported from another film. The cast is largely toothless, but I still loved it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's somebody's idea of a five-star review. Wow. Interesting. Um, onward, Yeah, I suppose. We, yeah, should we move on to Arrested Development? Arrested Development, yes. Okay. Um, uh, can you sum this up quickly? I don't know if I can, because it took ages last it did, time, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. At its basis, it's a... Uh, I cheated. Essentially, yeah. I cheated. I yeah, pitched Tom a TV did. show last week, yeah. um, mostly because um, it's something I've been trying to get him to watch for ages since mm-hmm. i first saw it yeah. uh, and i used the medium of the podcast to force <laughs> him into watching it because yeah. he has no power of veto um it's a sitcom based around a very dysfunctional family yeah. the patriarch is in jail yeah. the one good member and least dysfunctional of them all is trying to hold them all together mm-hmm. um it's full of running jokes and just frankly bizarre characters um I guess we'll find out if Tom likes it or if I've made a huge mistake. Right. I'll start off by saying I really enjoyed it. It's incredibly watchable. I mean, you can just let it... You can just put it on and and just keep going and going and going. Um, It's really well acted. It's very funny. Um, My wife absolutely loves it to bits. I kind of guessed. I had seen tweets to the effect. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you you pitched me the first four episodes of season one. Yes. Um, just uh, just over a week ago, just about mm-hmm. a week ago. Uh, we're now ten episodes into season two. Excellent, good. Um, this, is, this is a good sign. I feel. Yeah. Now I'm, I don't know if I would have watched that much that quickly, uh, but I, you know I do enjoy it. I, I, my favourite character by far is uh, Will Arnett as Job. Okay. Um, I just think that any time he's on on screen or featured. Is just really great. He's he just nails that perfectly. So yeah, I think he he's brilliant as the kind of klutzy magician, stupid older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some characters though that I I, I think I, again I really don't think much of Michael Sarah. No, just, I was going to ask you. I know you are yeah, not a Sarah fan by uh, any stretch. And, and to be fair to him, I just think it's the character in this. It's just okay. a bit bit dull and bland. Not, he's not supposed to be the most interesting no, and not, dynamic no, guy, no, though, is he? No, he's not. I mean, I know you've got to have things, but I, mean, yeah. I, I just, yeah, he's not that interesting. I'm, I'm, I don't really engage with uh, like the sister, the mother, or there was somebody else as well. The the uh, daughter, the cousin. You're just a woman hater. I'm not. I just, I just <laughs> don't think. I just don't think there is interesting characters. Mm. I think that the most interesting characters are, well, I mean, you've got Jason Bateman's character who has to be. The, norm, the straight man, yeah. The norm to play everything off of. So negating him, I think you've got Jeffrey Tambor as the dad is brilliant. Mm. I think Jeffrey Tambor as his twin brother is brilliant. Yes. Um, I think Will Arnett is great as Job. And I think you know, I may, um, and you can't. I mean, you can't have Buster without the seal. No. But I think, you, I don't know, I, I almost would be quite happy just to see a sitcom based around the three, the, like, like the dad, Jason Bateman, and Joe. Just mm. the three of them as uh, two sons and a dad, Yeah, in a way. Um, I think David Cross is very funny, but overdoes it slightly. 
Okay. I think I think out of anybody, he's the one that pushes it just a little bit too far. Okay. Although he's very very funny, it's just everyone else has a slight amount of restraint that keeps it kind of real. Mm. Whereas he he just is going just a little bit too much. You see, I think that more of Will Arnett than I do David Cross's really? character. Yeah, that's interesting. Definitely. And there's there's one thing in particular I really like about David Cross. Right. He has this ability to the way he falls off things is incredibly funny. Yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I know but he has a mean, particular yeah. way yeah. of like, just falling off a chair or yeah. sliding off a table yeah. and ca- kind of carrying on his dialogue as he does so Absolutely, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I've never seen anybody else do before. It's no. a weird little thing to pick up on. Yeah, and he kind of, yeah, he kind of has this weird m- sort of like when people are taught how to roll when they fall. If you're if you're doing I, I don't know like horse riding or yeah, yeah. or something like that and you're taught to fall off something, he kind of has that weird kind of tuck and roll thing to yeah. save himself, mm. even if it's just off a chair. Yeah, he does it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the guest stars are great. I Liza Minnelli was unbelievably good. Yeah, I did say you would yeah. not. It's a great character and a great performance from someone you really Absolutely. don't expect it yeah. from. Yeah, and I mean she has some brilliant physical comedy moments. Which Which she's trying to deal with her vertigo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Henry Winkler is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, He's absolutely brilliant. He's great to watch. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of... I've covered pretty much everything there. I know you won't like me for saying this, but I do find it quite similar to Modern Family in a similar sort of setup. I've only really seen one or two episodes of Modern Family. Yeah. now that uh, that, Which came later. It did, yeah, I realised that. And I didn't engage with that, really. Well, what I found with that is that, I mean... I've only watched the first series of that, and that definitely picks up. So the, okay. fir- the first few, they're finding their feet. By the end of that first series, it was really good. Um, it doesn't have the the good full story arc mm. over the course of not only one series, but over the entity of the show. Mm. Um, it's a bit more episodic. Mm. Um, but, well, but, you know, I, I like that. Arrested so. Development is odd in that you don't usually get a sitcom that has no, a full, exactly, a full yeah. arc. Yeah. And it is an arc that runs all 53 episodes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like to, yeah. From beginning of season one to end of season three. Yeah. I, I, Ross I, and Rachel doesn't count. No. I, I, I'm I, I'm well aware that, you know, they're trying to get a, uh, a movie off the ground and stuff yeah. like that. I'm not sure it's the sort of thing I'd... I, I'm not sure I'd go to the cinema to see the movie. Hmm. I'm not sure if that will work. It would be interesting to see how it does work. Because it's... It doesn't quite push the documentary element as much as Modern Family does. And I don't think Modern Family does the documentary element well enough. That yeah, was my biggest then, problem I, with then it. I, I, don't, I don't think that this does either. I don't think it does it enough. Because no. they do things that are documentary-esque, but then for the majority of the, the show, it's not at all. Yeah, true, true. Um, so I think they, they both kind of have a different mm. way of doing it, and I'm not sure how that will translate to the big screen particularly. But mm. I, I don't know. Um, my favourite gag out of all of the episodes I've seen mm. comes very early. It might even be episode one or two. And that's when Will Arnett goes and buys the dove. And it's just a CCTV shot of him buying the dove yes. and walking out of the door and then asking what the Or walking from- into the door, <laughs> yeah. rather, yeah. And that, for me, was probably one of the best gags in the whole mm. series. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's really enjoyable. I'm sure, you know, we'll watch the whole lot. So um, I've got, I've got the, uh, a review I can tap into here. Um, it's Tom versus technology who will is. win. It is. Okay. So th- this is uh, my lovely wife posting on Facebook. Uh, 
about Zodiac and Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved them both, again, because she loved both last mm-hmm. week. Uh, on to season two of Arrested Development. Will Arnett and David Cross are amazing. Let's face it, Bateman will never better Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was also another tweet review of um, Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is from Kyle W. Buxton. How the hell did Jason Bateman and Michael Cera carve a film career from Arrested Development? Question mark, question mark. So bored after only four episodes. So not a fan, particularly. It's interesting. See, I don't understand how people can be bored by this show. They're just so... In terms of gags per minute, it's up there with Airplane. There are so many jokes. And there's every possible type of humour you could want. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, and, and again, I think what makes this so watchable and possibly rewatchable, although I'm not sure if I'd rush out and buy the DVDs, mm. is the fact that you can engage on it on any level. Like yeah. you can just have it on in the background and laugh every now and then at something yeah. funny happens, or you can, you know, avidly listen to every single word of dialogue. That's and, kind and of it, how I watch it. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. watch it that closely. Yeah. I, I will admit. Um, and and you will pick up on a lot more stuff and a lot of the foreshadowing and mm. all this kind of stuff. And you do pick up on bits and pieces. So I mean, I think I think it, I think is that's what makes it very well written is that it, it it does have quite a broad spectrum of levels at which you can engage with it. Mm. If that makes any sense. At all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. I, I I really enjoyed it. I probably will watch it all. I wouldn't say it was one of my favourite comedies of all time, or that I loved it, but it is it is good. It's worth definitely worth watching. Worth Absolutely out. good. There's somebody in it that one of the actors in it. Yeah. To me, her life is more fascinating than the show. Right. Do you know anything about Portia de Rossi, who plays the twin sister, who plays the sister? I know she's Australian. She's Australian. Portia de Rossi is not her name. Yeah, I knew that. Um, she's married to Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she has this fascinating life. Okay. This just bizarre life story. Okay, interesting. Perhaps we can do, like we did with uh, the star of uh, Fast Pussycat, Kill Kill. We'll yeah, maybe we'll... Biog and... Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so... Um, customer feedback. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I've got some one stars and some five stars. Okay, excellent. I don't know where to start, to be honest. Hang on. Go for it. The sound of a man drinking heavily diluted Mountain Dew. <laughs> yes. So diluted it's practically homeopathic. <laughs> okay, one-star reviews. I could honestly only sit through about 45 minutes of this garbage before wanting to poke my eyeballs out with a pen. <laughs> is that it? No, there's more, oh, but that's, more. Okay. that's the best sentence. Right. I'm just going to leave that one as it is. Oh, boy. Um, this is a three-star review. Okay. I never did find incompetent, egocentric people amusing and gave up on this series after the first disc. Right. Yeah, still gave it three stars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I've got two short five-star reviews. Okay. One about Portia de Rossi, mostly. Right. Portia de Rossi, who plays Bateman's twin, is an actress of limited range and ability, and her role as a vacuous idiot is a gift to her lack of talent. <laughs> That's in a five-star review. <laughs> Brilliant. And finally, I really don't get it. For £15, I could buy a pizza, or a decent bottle of wine, or an off-peak day return ticket from Stevenage to Peterborough. <laughs> or I could buy all 53 episodes of sheer comic genius called Arrested Development. What a strange world we live in. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I, I've said that one last thing I will say, I, I really would like to see though some of the other characters developed a bit more and made a bit more dynamic and interesting, particularly like the women characters. 
because I find that they're the ones that seem to be a bit neglected. You think they might be yeah. a bit underwritten? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think because I think the actresses that play them do it incredibly well, and they they've got more to give. Yeah, particularly Lucille. Yeah, and I, and they seem a bit. They do. Yeah, I, they kind I, of have I, their standard scenes. Yeah, it's like, I, oh, I this do is know. the scene where yeah. they're going to do that. This is yeah. the scene where they're going to do that. This is their facility in this episode. So you know, they do seem nice to. Yeah, I know. I get what you mean. They do seem to be kind of like playing types. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the guys are more rounded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think that's... Uh, he liked it? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He appears to be wearing denim cut-offs, so, something <laughs> is, uh, so something's rubbed off. Um, it's the blue paint. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That, see, that's one of my favourite running jokes in season two, is just spotting where all the blue paint yeah. is. Yeah, just on the chair, on the yeah. door handle. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, or uh, there's one where uh, where George Michael goes to get something out of the fridge and just comes out with on his fingers. Right. <laughs> um, oh, if you're that far into season two, that means you've seen the, the Peanuts episode. Good grief. I don't I know. I think it's I episode four. Oh, There's well, loads and yeah. loads of Peanuts referencing. Yeah, and they were hanging out in walk. Yeah, yeah. Including, no, that, including yeah. George Michael walking past a red kennel with a beagle laying on the top of it. <laughs> yeah. See, there's so much to this series. We should we need to do like a, a side project, right. uh, which is TV shows, I think. Okay. Have yeah, you well, seen think... on the small screen? Yes. Yeah. See, I've got the name already. Okay. Quick, right. copyright it before somebody yeah. steals it. Perhaps we could do that... Um, like on a maybe a, on a three monthly basis. Okay. So so and we'll, that way it gives us a lot more time to watch a load of episodes. Okay. Because um, there's a couple of TV shows I'd quite like to pitch you. Okay. Well, maybe we consider it. Maybe maybe we'll branch out a little bit. Occasionally, maybe TV may make yeah. it after I've broken the mold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe every couple of months or so, we'll we'll pull a TV show in. Perhaps maybe as like an extra bit. So we do our normal bit and do our normal. Uh, pitches and reviews but we'll add a TV pitch in and then have the review a couple of months later okie dokie longer story arc okie dokie so back to regular two hour story arcs yes what have you got for me this week oh, I'm pitching you aren't I yeah okay. go for it right well I thought I've given you three serial killer movies in a row uh yeah Despite the fact they're all different, well, actually, no, well, yeah they are Yeah, one was well two of them were based around the same thing so yeah, not that different enough. yeah but Anyway, so I'm going completely different this week. I'm going for a documentary. Okay. Because um, I haven't pitched you a documentary yet. No. Um, so I think my pitch is basically going to, mostly going to be based about informing you and the listener about what the subject of the documentary is rather than the actual film itself because we'll probably talk about that next week. Okay, fine. So I'm going to pitch you a documentary I know you want to see. Uh, it's called TT3D Closer to the Edge. Marvellous. Um, you're not going to be seeing it in 3D because I've only got a Blu-ray copy. Oh. It has got a 3D Blu-ray copy in the thing, but I know you don't. I don't have, have a 3D, 3D Blu-ray TV. player, so I yeah. would just be in blurry vision. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I've now seen this. I saw it in the cinema in 3D, mm. and I've watched it at home on the Blu-ray in 2D. It holds up as a documentary in either format. Um, there are some moments that are interesting uh, there are some moments that are interesting because they work well in 2D and they work really well but slightly differently in 3D and we'll talk about those remind me we'll talk about those next week okay so the TT is a motorcycle race uh, set on the Isle of Man it happens every year Um, it, it stands for Tourist Trophy and I think you can I'm not sure what the entry restrictions are, but it's 
you know, it's the sort of thing people would just turn up with bikes and take part. It's in. come and have a go if you think you're hard enough on bikes, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, I think it's a, a lot more stringent than that now. You have to have a race license and stuff like okay. that. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm sure people can find out. Um, what makes this kind of special and different is that uh, the race first took place in 1907. So it's been going for over 100 years. Um, it's always referred to as a race, but it's actually a time trial. Uh, that takes place completely on public roads. Um, the course is 37 and three quarters of a mile long. Mm-hmm. So it's a very long road race. And they, uh, I think they do five or six laps. Um, the first race in 1907, the average lap speed was 38 miles an hour. Okay. The record lap, the record lap speed mm-hmm. currently is 131 miles an hour. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Um, basically, it follows the format of having... Uh, the event takes place over two weeks, and the first week is all the practice sessions. You know, and they, they, they race different types of bikes, and they have like bikes with sidecars and all sorts of stuff like that. And then the following week, they have uh, five races. Um, each race has a different formula, if you like, in terms of the bikes that are used, in mm-hmm. terms of different engine sizes, etc., etc., etc. But quite often, riders will enter all five races, so they won't just turn up with one bike for one race. They'll turn up with five bikes. Well, they'll turn up with two, I think two or three bikes, or, or, and then enter all five races. Um, this is, I mean, some of the footage in this is not for the faint-hearted. Okay. Um, I'm sure in the link dump we'll find some footage uh, for this. There's loads of stuff on YouTube. Hmm. Um, on average, two people die doing this every year. Um, it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, and these bikes are just flying past at over well over 200 miles an hour at hmm. times. Um, and again, it's all on public roads, so they've got to contend with hedges and dry stone walls and lampposts and all sorts of stuff. Um, there's a handful of races that the, the, the uh, documentary crew follow. Um, there's Ian Hutchinson, Connor Cummings, Michael Dunlop and John McGuinness. Um, each one of them has got their own little thing... You know, like Connor Cummings is the guy from the Isle of Man who's taking part, so he's the local lad. John McGuinness has won more TTs than anybody, mm. uh, or uh, more consecutive, I think. Um, but the the absolute star of this film is a guy called Guy Martin. You spoke about him on the on our, our best of yeah, 2011 show, um, didn't you? He is just... He's an odd human being. <laughs> he really is. I mean, he... Uh, he he's just got a completely unique take on the world, and mm. if you ever want to know what stream of conscious truly is, watch this film because <laughs> in the interviews he just talks, and the subjects just go. I mean, there just seems to be no logic in his brain at all, mm. unless he's unless he's focused on his bikes. I mean, and, and it, like he he's mechanic he, he's a mechanic by day on trucks and stuff, so he knows that bike inside out and he will you know he's always tinkering with it and getting it right and and what have you but um you get the feeling there's something you know there's the adrenaline junkie aspect of looking at this film of the bikes and things going fast and the danger which is all quite 
engaging and exciting to watch. But I think one of the things that is interesting about this film is that it seems to be a portrait of mostly British eccentricity because you yeah. get some very odd characters involved in this. Mm. They're the sort of people I wrote. No, the sort of people that if they weren't doing this, they'd be in their shed inventing the jet engine. You know, they, they've got yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. They've got that, you know, they're a bit Barnes Wallace. You know, they're just sitting there chucking ping pong balls at a lake, inventing a bomb that will bounce across, a, you know, a reservoir. They've got that kind of mentality to them. Is mm. um, so it's quite fascinating. Um, there's a great scene where they interview a guy who builds the engines for the bikes because they're race spec engines. And like, I mean, this guy has his tiny little workshop in his back garden. And he's built the engines for most of the race winners over the past couple of decades. And he compares himself to a drug dealer. (laughs) Because he's just like, you know, here's me giving these people what they need to do something that is life-threatening. And so there's some really really odd takes on things. Um, Yeah, it's a a fascinating documentary. It's very funny in places. It's very sad in places. Mm. Um, You will see the human body do things you never thought it could. Mm. Um, It's it's a fascinating motorsport documentary. I don't think it's as good as Senna, Mm. but then that might just be because of my Formula One bias, because I'm not particularly into motorbikes. No, Um, nor am I. No, uh, so it'll be interesting to see your take on it. yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm just really intrigued to see what you, see what you think about it, and we'll we'll talk about um, the difference about seeing it in two D and three D next week. Okay, because um, there are some scenes that you'll think you you know you you'll wonder what was like in three D. Okay, okay. I know I say this almost every week. Yeah, but I'm glad you've pitched this to me because I Excellent. want to see it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. I am I'm very much looking forward to this. One thing I would be really interested in is if you watch this with your girlfriend. Okay, because she's not British. You want to see what she thinks of the crazy English people? Well, not part, not not that at all. I, well, partly that, but I'm just intrigued onto her take on it. There are plenty of weird Canadians. She's yeah, oh one yeah, of them. no, I realise that. But I, what I'm interested in particularly is, like I said, it's like a portrait of British eccentricity, and I, I'd like an outsider's point of view would be very interesting. Okay, I shall see if I can make that happen. Yeah, I can't guarantee it, but I'll have a go. Okay, well, um, I really hope you enjoy that because you know it's very entertaining interesting viewing um so now i really want to know what you've got pitched for me well um you've pitched me a documentary yeah and i'm going to pitch you something the director uh has said he wanted it to be like a documentary from the future right does that make any sense he's a a wacky spanish man he might be mexican right i think he's mexican anyway um children of men Right, yes. Uh, yeah, I know this. Yeah, uh, Clive Owen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know it or you've seen it? No, I know of it. I okay, seen good. It. Okay, I thought I'd made a, a, like a boo-boo too easy. No, no. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it's it. Like, hell, uh, okay, uh, watch the rest of Arrested Development. <laughs> That's this week. Okay, good. You haven't seen it. Marvellous. Okay, good. Let me set the scene for you. Okay. This is scene setting. I feel like a newsreader. Right. It's 2027. Yeah. In Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something. It's right. not a big, flashy American thing. It's all set in Britain. Okay. Okay. It's 2027, Britain. Yeah. Humans are infertile for mm. some unknown reason, and mm. the youngest person in the world has just been killed. 
Right. It opens on the news report mm -hmm. that the youngest person in the world has just been stabbed to death. Mm -hmm. There's a heavy anti-immigrant sentiment. Right. And the country's on the brink of anarchy. Mm -hmm. Clive Owen is Theo. Right. He's an ordinary guy with kind of a tenuous government connection. Mm -hmm. um, his cousin works for some department, some branch of government. Mm -hmm. He is contacted by his estranged wife, who's the leader of a resistance cell, and is asked to acquire papers for a young refugee. Right. So kind of usual connection to your cousin to get his papers for his refugee. Mm -hmm. She's pregnant. Right. And we carry on from there. Okay. Um, why I like this film yeah. is it's and I only real, really realised it watching it again mm -hmm. um, is that I think it's one of the most solidly and most assuredly directed films I've seen in ages oh that's interesting uh, it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron oh right okay yeah, yeah. He, director of the best Harry Potter film yeah um, and many other wonderful movies mm. um, we've met him I think we met him in Edinburgh Yes, he's a very he's a very interesting and inventive kind of guy. Yeah, um, and this is this I think is an interesting and inventive film. Yes, um, particularly on a technical level. You talked uh, when we talked about Zodiac. You talked mm. about big but well integrated special effects. Yeah, yeah and digital yeah. work. Yeah. This is full of it. Oh, okay. This is. Full I can of imagine it. would be if it's set in the future, but supposed to be realistic. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of his kind of idea is that. Um, there's, because there's not really any money going into the economy, technology has kind of, kind of stopped developing around 2014. Okay. So there is technology that's futuristic to us, but it's believably futuristic, and in 2027, it's, it's a bit old. run down. Right, okay. So that's the cars are all slightly futuristic, yeah. but they're all a bit rusty and knackered. Right, I see. There you see one new car, right, which is driven by the one rich character in the yeah. film. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's all kind of it's all a bit future and a bit grungy. Have you ever played the Half Life video games? No, I've seen bits and I've never played them. Okay, because the look and the feel of it to me was very much like those. Anybody okay. who plays Half Life Two, right, will know what I mean about the the way that kind of that world feels. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's quite that's quite similar in a kind of believable future world kind of way. Okay, um, apart from like the big head grabbing aliens and things. But Fine. anyway. Um, I'm getting off off message here. Yeah. Uh, it's a great supporting cast. Right. Um, Julianne Moore is the estranged yeah. wife. Pam Ferris is the midwife who has to accompany the uh, refugee. Right. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is a member of the uh, is a high ranking member of this resistance cell gotcha. uh, called the Fishes. Right. Um, there's a lot of Christian imagery in this. Okay, interesting. Um, and, and like Christian kind of like naming conventions for right. people as well. Um, Michael Caine has a brilliant role in this. Okay, um, he's really good and very plays plays very much against what you think of when you think of Michael Caine. Okay, uh, and keep your eyes open for Peter Mullen as well. Okay, who's yeah. not in it for long, mm. but you you won't forget him. Right. You will remember okay. Peter Mullen. Okay. Um, the other things to really look out for are that this is directing in lots of long takes. Right. Lots of long takes. Yeah. The longest of which mm. is six and a half minutes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's a battle. Wow. Yeah. There's also an, an, a, one of the kind of like the big standout scene 
uh, and there's a documentary, uh, a little featurette, like a seven-minute featurette on the disc one of the DVD set I'm going to lend you, okay. which kind of takes this scene apart. All right. It's an action sequence set entirely within the confines of a car done in one take. Wow, that sounds cool. Just one shot. Mm. And the, the, the little featurette that breaks down the, the way they did it, I think you will find fascinating. Okay, I'll have to check that out. It's one of those cases of a director coming up with, I want to do this. Yeah. And then working out how <laughs> right. they're going to do this. Yeah. That's often the um, best way. It's a film about hope. Yeah. But it's not a very hopeful film. Okay. The person I originally saw this with yeah. said they had no desire to ever see it again. Right. Whereas I was completely different and I wanted to see it again. Okay. Interesting. It's not a happy film. No. It's about hope, but it's not a happy film. Yeah. Um, Am I going to be depressed at the end of it? I would hope not. Oh, good. Okay. You might be. It depends how much you like Clive Owen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, well, that's kind of the caveat. He's yeah. probably, I'll, I'll say up front, he's probably the worst thing about this film. Clive okay, Owen right. is Clive Owen, but at least he's not American in this. Right, yeah, yeah. Clive um, Owen, American Clive Owen is Clive Owen no. is worst, yeah. It's not, uh, I think it's a film to admire rather than enjoy. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly okay. worth watching on a technical level. Fine, okay. Um, see Fair if enough. you can spot the effects. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like after after seeing Zodiac and seeing that little documentary thing, yeah, I'll I'll keep a keen eye open for it. Interesting though that you pitched this film because I used to work in a video store mm. and one of my colleagues was an extra. Oh, okay. In the film, and uh, he was absolutely gobsmacked and over the moon when one day uh, the film was getting released on DVD and it was one of the trailers that was up on the TV. We used to have a little disc of trailers that we had to play. And his shot is in the trailer. Really? Yeah. So he used to walk around stacking the shelves and there he'd be up on the screen chucking oh, a rock on the train. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, so that that's kind of that was the only thing I really knew about this film before you pitched it to me. Is so, it your mate, was in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so. well, fine. Uh, I, I hope you find more to enjoy it than just spotting your friend throwing <laughs> yeah. a rock at a train. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Right, so I guess that's it for this week. We've got TT three D for you, children of men for me. Yes, uh, I do have one little note before we go. Yes. Um, as uh, we mentioned last week, Netflix is now available in this country. Yes, and two of the films we mentioned in our best of twenty eleven roundup are now available. Right, uh, Troll Hunter. Okay, uh, is available, mm-hmm. and what uh, the film that made both of our top fives of twenty eleven, yeah. Senna. Yes, uh, is available. Yes, on Netflix. Uh, if you haven't already signed, they don't pay us. I'm saying that I'm not saying this is a fan of the service. I'm saying this is a fan of the the movies. Yeah. If you haven't got the free trial, sign up and use it to watch Senna and Troll Hunter. Yeah, and Arrested Development. That's on there as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, sign up and watch those things. Netflix. If you're listening, pay me some money for plugging you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking yeah. of plugs. Yes. Yeah. We should do. We do do stuff. Yeah. We have methods of uh, of communicating with us. Absolutely. Uh, You may have noticed people have been uh, tweeting us and emailing us with their reviews. So you may wonder how they do that. Yeah. Join in. Just you know, the more the merrier. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at at hys podcast. You can go and like the Facebook page at facebook dot com forward slash have you seen podcast. We you know people can. We put stuff up there for people to look at, and there'll be uh, links all through to the, every blog page will be put up. So yeah, I'm uh, trying to think of some Facebook exclusive stuff to do as well. Yeah, I think I think that the, the won't appear stuff. on Twitter and won't appear on the blog. Yeah, I'm sure um, we can, we can come, I'll up, come with up with something clever. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll think of something good. Um, the blog itself you can get to with uh, bit.ly forward slash hys podcast, uh, and uh, if you find that Twitter and Facebook. 
and the blog comment sections are just not enough. It's all too public for yeah. you. You need to communicate with us on a more yeah. one-to-one private level. Absolutely. Or one-to-two, I Which we'll then read out on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at hyspodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, we should, as always, thank Upbeat Productions for the use of their studio. Yes. Uh, we should thank Chapter Media for their technical assistance. Yep. And we should thank Alexia Mom uh, for whatever it is he does. Yeah. He's yeah. He like does a, something he's a and wizard. it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he looks like a wizard, actually. He does a little bit, yeah. I think yeah. he just waves a wand at yeah. his computer and uh, yeah. magic happens and yeah. uh, our voices appear in your ears. Yeah. So that's it. Absolutely. So uh, you better go and watch uh, a thing about motorbikes and I'll go and watch Clive Owen in... Uh, dystopian future marvellous uh, and until next week no touching no touching